0: Another episode of the Net Megasys podcast. In this episode, we'll be looking at Liverpool in specific, uh, the season so far, the transfer window, the January transfer window, and possible summer signings in the in, in the near future. That is, and we have a very special guest joining us, Danny Corcoran. He is a member of Pure Football. You might have already heard of the podcast if you follow Scottish football. He's a huge, huge Liverpool fan as well, and a really, a really amazing Twitter account
1: to follow. So, welcome to the show, Danny. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, I've got my own podcast with a couple other guys on the Scottish national team, but this is my first kind of like guest one as well. So, looking forward to it, and thank you so much for having me on.
0: Perfect. I mean, and if you if you could actually shout out your Twitter ID to a listener, so they, they they would know the where to find you on Twitter.
1: Yeah. So my Twitter is at Calcio underscore Danny and you can also find me and two of my friends Rhys and Greg on Pure Football's podcast like Rithwick said so yeah you can find me on both places.
0: I'm, I'm assuming you will be really busy tweeting about Scottish football in March especially when when the qualifiers kick on the playoffs kick in so it's going to be an amazing period.
1: Yeah yeah it's coming up close now I think it's the just towards the end of March yeah I mean Scotland were last in the World Cup when I was two years old, I think. So, if they could get there, that would be nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. And the topic today we, we are going to discuss is Liverpool, the clubs that have both of us support. And to start it off, we are second in the Premier League table. Won every single game in the Champions League as well. An amazing Champions League campaign so far. Especially after all those hype uh, when we were drawn against Atletico Madrid. Porto and AC Milan. And how would you actually
1: describe the season so far? What have you felt about the season? It's been a weird one, because I saw the stat floating around on Twitter the other day that we've lost two games all season, yet it felt for like that Christmas period like there was this huge meltdown. I mean, obviously, we picked up quite a, a couple of poor results, and we're a bit behind City with, obviously, that game in hand. I think we started off the season like a lot of us expected to with Van Dyke back and sort of like midfield bodies back in there. Um, and we were playing really well. And then we obviously had that Champions League group in which we breezed past. I, I, I thought we'd struggle, I won't lie, but I think each one of those teams we played had their own issues. And we were just, I think maybe I sometimes underestimate how good we really are. I mean, There's three teams in Europe, I think us, City and Bayern, that are just kind of cut above the rest. I think it's been a really good season and I think we've got back to playing some of our best attacking football. We're a bit chaotic at the back and in midfield. Um, Yeah, I mean, four competitions still going strong. Got a final this month. Got a good tie in the FA Cup. Got City to play in a game in hand on them. And got a great, great Champions League tie against Inter. So yeah. It's been really good so far, but it could go one of two ways from now, I guess.
0: Exactly. And, I mean, we've been scoring for fun this season as well. We had this period we was we were putting I guess, three goals every game in, in in the league, and it was an amazing period. And then we faced Wolves, who gave us a tough, tough, tough game. And we had to unleash the legend, the myth that is Divock Origi, to get us a winner. So I think since then it's we've we've kind of found it always hard to break down teams who sit back and who 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 have this compact shape as well. And I think against Leicester in December when we actually uh, lost, which was pretty disappointing because uh, the overall performance I felt was uh, really really bad. The first half was pretty pretty good. We created uh, a fair amount of chances. We got a penalty as well and. Salah missing the penalty was was a shock uh, to be honest because he literally never misses penalties. <laughs> He's missed two this season already. But yeah, <laughs> but um, that game was probably quite disappointing. This first game, um, it was kind of a chaotic game in midfield, especially. We'll come to the midfield because that's a that's an area that we need to discuss um in in depth. But yeah, like you said, that that the the end of December, that period was really, really important in the title race. And I think we kind of lost a decent amount of points in that period. And and had we won a few games and had we picked up a few games, uh, had we picked up, you know, three points in a few games there, we could have probably closed the gap to City right now. And it would still be, you know, a very plausible title race. I would say I think City are probably still um, the best team in the league they somehow get points. They, they, they've they shown that they can get the points at the end. The Arsenal game, they somehow nick the points at the end. But in order for Liverpool to actually really come close to City, you need City to draw, draw points. And that seems really, really a tough job at the moment. And yeah, uh, I, I guess the problem for us, like you said, you said we just lost two games. The problem for us has been the number of draws that we've had Brighton Brentford all these games we we actually started well we actually got the lead at some point in the game and then we dropped points so what do you think about those games when you when, when you actually think about those games we we actually dominated uh, probably the first half so we took the lead and we completely failed to control the games what if what what did you feel about those games
1: yeah uh, i mean like you said like we, we drew we draw too many games and I think like over that Christmas period in isolation you can draw away at Chelsea and you can draw away at Aconte Spurs because they're good teams and they will take points off you but to be two goals up in the Chelsea game to be two on up with I can't remember how long it was in the Spurs game and still surrender that lead is it's a big issue I mean Klopp has always wanted games to be slightly chaotic to start with for like like I think back to when he fought with Arteta uh, at the 4-0 win against Arsenal. The game was kind of flat and that kind of made made things go a bit insane. And Liverpool thrived in that environment and ended up blowing Arsenal away. But chaotic's not good when you're 2-0 up or you're 2-1 up. I mean, in January there, the Palace game, it was the best first half I think I've seen from Liverpool this season. It was incredible and that was without... Salah and Mani and Keita. And then the second half, it was still chaotic, but they weren't doing anything attacking-wise. They were just letting bodies run through them, especially people like Conor Gallagher. So I think that kind of comes down to the midfield and the difference between us and City is they have midfielders that will control a game and strangle you until it's done. Like Bernardo Silva, Rodri, Ed De Bruyne Gundogan, like their midfielders control games, whereas ours, bar Fabinho, bar Thiago, who isn't fit enough, unfortunately, don't really have that. They kind of thrive on, on, on the chaos, which isn't great. So I think, yeah, it's, it really is kind of a midfield issue. It comes down to, there is other stuff, but I think it's the midfield really.
0: And I think the team selection probably a few games has uh, kind of put me off as well. And I think I've been critical of Klopp, uh, Klopp's team selection at times, because it, especially in the Chelsea game, he went with a Milner-Henderson midfield. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 pretty obvious that um, James Milner and Jordan Henderson doesn't work as a pair in the midfield three. In, in big games. You just can't put them together. It's it's it becomes way too chaotic and even in possession it becomes I mean we probably end up being um those two actually end up being pressed pressing tickers as well and we end up giving away possession. I'm 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 pretty sure we gave away the ball a lot more in the Chelsea game. We we were miss misspassing the ball a lot. So I think you really can't go with a Milner-Henderson midfield, um, Milner-Henderson do actually, in midfield, irrespective of whoever plays behind Fabinho or whoever. So it's it's really important to get team selection right as well. And I think we probably have been quite unfortunate uh, to, to have Harry, uh, Harvey Elliott, uh, go out with that injury because he was really actually banging on the door as a starter for us. And his return, possibly, is a very nice you know, thing for us. And, and, and the fixtures coming forward. We have the Champions League fixture coming forward as well. Uh, I think we have the Leeds United game as well crammed just before the Carabao Cup final. So tough decisions to make for Jürgen Klopp right now, but nice to see that we have solid options back. But you you mentioned how we really not kept any kind of control in midfield especially in that Brighton game I think Thiago was missing in that game and we had uh, I think we started the game really well with Keita and Keita went off injured and we had um, Oxley Chamberlain come in and play in the midfield uh, he grabbed a nice assist as well for our second goal but then we weren't really controlling the game in midfield I, I think way too many times um, you see either hand I think it's mostly down um, to Jordan Henderson's drop in form because you see him getting caught ahead of the ball a lot of times and we are absolutely broken down in transition and I don't think our defense has been very solid this season either. I know it's a high, high risk, uh, high reward thing. Playing a higher line than we played uh, in in the past, probably the title winning, the league title winning season. I don't think the line, the offside line, uh, the high line was as high as it is this season, or 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 the beginning of last season before Virgil Van Dijk picked up that horrible injury. So, do you think it's probably? Mostly down to the high line, or do you think we could probably solve this with you know a, a better
1: balance in midfield? Uh, I think better balance. Like touching on Harvey Elliott coming back, I actually think like Henderson's role this season was kind of influenced by the start Harvey Elliott had. I don't think he, I think he played like two and a half games Elliott before he got injured, but there was a very clear like the three rotations and on that right hand side where he had. Alexander Arnold coming inside and then you had like Salah and Elliot kind of moving about. And Elliot would be able to track back a lot more, even though he's not known for it than than Henderson has done. And then Elliot got injured and Henderson kind of made that right centre mid role his own again. But I don't think Klopp changed the role for Henderson. He kinda of just kept it like it was. So at times you'll see Henderson as like a right winger, and then Trent's back. And I, th- I think it was was it Leicester's like Lookman's goal. He just runs through because Henderson watches him run by because Henderson's trying to push up. So I don't think we really adjusted for the personnel there. I think Elliot kind of showed Klopp what we could do in midfield in terms of creativity, and then Klopp went well that looks good. And then Henderson obviously came in and he can't really do what Elliot does. Like he was brilliant. He's been brilliant, but this season he's just, his crossing is not good. His tracking back is somehow even worse. Like, he has kind of fallen off this season, which comes right after a contract, which is frustrating. But yeah, I don't think we adjusted for that role, which is a big issue. Hopefully with Elliot coming back in, he can kind of make that his own right now. I mean, we were pretty flat and stale against Cardiff until... Diaz and Elliot came on. I don't know if it was because we scored right before that and we settled down, but those two coming on, it, it, it was a lot nicer to watch than it was before that.
0: And I, I think it was uh, Stephen and Trendon, uh known by the name Babu Iago on Twitter, who was mentioning about Henderson's position uh, uh, during Trent's uh, long-range goal against Newcastle. I think we were protecting the lead. Uh, to, we, were to, we were up uh, by two, I think the score was two-one at that time before Trent scored the goal, and was probably towards the end of the game as well. Henderson was ahead of the ball, and that's the that's kind of the period where you need kind of draw back and start to control games. And I think I don't really blame Henderson for that. Um, it's I, I don't think it's probably you know it's something that he is doing on purpose. That's something that he. He has a habit of doing, rather, uh, if, if, if you get what I mean, because he is used to I mean going forward, getting involved in attack, going to the wide areas as well, uh, mostly dropping into the wide areas. Um, so I think you get that instinct to go forward, but you have to control that. And I think at some point, with, with, with the number of options that we have in midfield at the moment, we have Thiago back, we have Harvey Elliott. Fabinho is an a start startup no matter what. Uh, in the deep role. He's going to be the deepest among the three in, in our midfield. So, Thiago, Elliot, Henderson, um, Milner, Nabi Keita is back as well. So, five options to choose from. And I think I think it's going to be... Uh, I think it probably would make sense to start Harvey Elliott down the right in the midfield three. And it's probably going to be between Thiago, Henderson and Keita for me on that left side. So, it's 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 a very interesting um option or it's a very interesting choice as well for club. i know it's, it's going to be a really really tough decision to make especially if you if if, you, if he wants to pick a 11 for the cup final it's going to be really really hard who does he drop out but i hope he really plays thiago because you see when we have thiago and fabinho it's not just fully i mean the attacks are not fully focused down the wings. It's not fully focused on Trent and Robo. We have attacks moving down the midfield as well. We kind of I'm not I'm not I've not really jumped into uh you know the numbers in here, but I've kind of felt that with Thiago and Fabinho we actually get more involved in the central areas of the pitch as well. We try to move the ball forward much more often uh, than without Thiago through the central area. So I think having Thiago back is is a really big boost for us. And who would you actually prefer though on on the left side? Who would you would be your preferred midfield three? Say for the cup final against Chelsea. Sorry, you're on mute.
1: Uh... uh, there we go. Sorry. If you if Thiago is fit, you play Thiago. I mean, he is incredible. Uh, I mean, I posted the the other day on Premier League midfielders Thiago. In terms of like progressing the ball, is so far clear of anyone else in that league. Even De Bruyne, like he is just, I think it's ten point five per ninety or something ridiculous. He also, I looked at it the other day. He tackles and intercepts way more than any other Liverpool midfielder. I think Keita's slightly behind him. Like Thiago, he just he breaks the lines so well and. With a lot of like Henderson or Milner or even Keita at times, they they pass it sideways and they kinda look for Trent who is in space out wide but he's not really up the pitch. Whereas Tiago, you'll get him driving the ball into Jota, Firmino, whoever's like occupying that central space. So yeah, Fabinho's obviously picks himself, he's incredible. Then for me it's got to be Tiago and Elliot, even though that's slightly untried. Yeah, I think those three. I mean, I I like Keita, so if they want to play him, I'm not opposed to that. I think Keita fits more against sort of low-blocking teams where he can drive and carry the ball and then quickly drive it out wide. But if you're playing top-class teams, then, I mean, Thiago's done it his whole career and thrived. So, him. That's why he was brought in, I guess.
0: It was it was kind of shocking when uh, when I saw that Thiago wasn't in the starting eleven against uh, the second leg tie against Real Madrid last season. So I hope I hope Klopp's learned from that mistake because I think we really um, missed his presence in presence in that game. Uh, there was no control at all even in the first leg. So yeah, I, I hope uh, Thiago starts in the Cup final against Chelsea. And I would pretty much go with your choice as well of midfield. Fabinho, Thiago on the left and Elliot on the right would be my preferred midfield three as well at the moment. Keita probably comes in, maybe for Thiago or maybe for Elliot, like you said against uh, low block opposition. Henderson is, I know it's it's a tough choice to make because he's he's the captain, he's got like a new contract, and he's he's someone who's really vocal in the team as well. Um, and he has his advantages as well. Uh, I'm not absolutely denying that. Um, but at the moment, like you said, we are competing against likes of Bayern, Munich, Manchester City. We are the top. We are one of the top teams in Europe. And in order to be a top team in Europe, you have to make tough decisions as a manager as well. So I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see how you know Jurgen Club deals with the whole situation and. Yeah, you you have Alex Oxley chamberlain come back as well. We completely forgot about Ox. I, I think he's been. Uh, it's kind of been a decent season for him as well. Coming back, he's probably his best season uh, after 2017, I would say, because he's played uh, pretty decently when he's been part of the front three. When Salah and uh, Mane has been out, he's come in and played in midfield uh, as well at times, quite quite well, I would say. So. It's kind of been a rejuvenation for him this season. Um, but I don't see him staying beyond the summer. And that starts the next topic for us, the summer transfer window. Uh, but yeah, just before that, we'll just touch upon the January window as well. Luis Diaz, Lucho Diaz. Um, I have a Colombian friend uh, uh, here for me. Um, so she's been raving about about uh, Lucho Diaz as well. Uh, his, his apparently... One of Colombia's gems is he's, he's, he's a really, really big thing in Colombia as well. The people, they love him. And that's exactly what the Liverpool fans are going to do as well. You saw how 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 big a reception he got when he came on against Cardiff. And we almost had our hands in our mouth when, when he went down for a second, holding his knee. I was completely, I don't know, I completely... <laughs> i was down <laughs> I, I was completely silent for like 2 minutes there but yeah but what a signing what a signing again michael edwards final parting gift perhaps or probably julian wards interaction uh, yeah, it's,
1: yeah it seems like it was a julian wards first project <laughs> with the with the babysitting of michael edwards but yeah i i was kind of apprehensive about Diaz when we were linked with him earlier in the window and then I think the night before we signed him I was speaking to Reese and I was like, I'm kind of glad you guys were signing because I'm not really convinced but I'll take that back because Liverpool's recruitment team are a lot more knowledgeable than I am and I've certainly been wrong a lot. I mean, he looked really good when he came on Um, not to overhype him or not that he's even a similar kind of player but The assist that he, well, I don't think it was an assist because Jota touched it, but when he won that ball back and and pulled it back for Minamino's goal, it was kind of shades of Suarez. Like you get it in a lot of South American players where they hunt the ball down so aggressively and then instantly it's like their feet move so quickly. It's like a moment of magic. Like you don't know how it's gone from that sort of aggressive nature to just something so nice yeah he looked really good and then obviously his knee took a big stud and everyone just was like not again so yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it I hopefully start soon I don't know if he'll start against Leicester probably start maybe I think we've got Burnley at the weekend
0: yeah Burnley.
1: yeah I mean Manny's not back so maybe but if Klopp doesn't tend to like throwing people right into starting roles. It took Fabinho ages. It took Robertson ages. I would think the only one that got thrown in was Van Dijk because it's Van Dijk. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, he looks like he's just a lot of fun, which is always good to watch.
0: And, and uh, club did say in the press that uh, he really liked the positions that he has occupied um when he came on as a sub against Cardiff. And something that I observed a um, lot more often was that he was getting into areas where he was demanding the ball instead of making, you know, the final runs. Uh, so I think he's, he's kind of the player who loves um, receiving the ball and making stuff happen. He He is someone who's capable of making runs as well. And like you mentioned, I wasn't, I would have probably, I don't know, preferred Nkunku, someone like Nkunku or probably someone else over, over Luis Diaz. But he isn't bad. He is definitely not bad. His numbers definitely doesn't lie as well. Uh, in the Premier League and in Portugal, he absolutely ripped it. I think he was, he was Porto's best player probably. Arguably Porto's best player as well. This season. He's having a tremendous season. And he's right into his peak years as well. And this is the Liverpool tree, you know, if you, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. um, it's a really... Good signing, and considering we have the contract uh, issues with Salah, Mane, and Firmino, and we'll, we'll come come on to that next. But since we have that issue, it's really important. It was really important that we get a player in early so that we don't really have to do all the all the remaining stuff uh, in the summer or on in a single window. So I think it was smart from Liverpool to bring in someone who would probably settle in quicker. I think Dias would settle in pretty quicker than maybe, you know, like Robertson and Fabinho, et cetera. Because I think with defenders, Klopp tends to give them a batting period. Uh, exception, Virgil van Dijk. But that's Virgil van Dijk, like you said. <laughs> but, yeah, with uh, attacking players, I think he, it, it really is a matter of, you know, doing the right things at the right moment, like Klopp always mentioned. So, I think what I saw from him against Cardiff, off the ball, especially, was quite different from what I see from maybe Mane. So he was getting into the central areas very often, um, probably just outside the box, sometimes in the box as well. So that's that's I mean that's kind of uh, positive, and I kind of like it because I've, I've kind of felt at times that we need something different in our attack. Uh, I think with Jota, we've kind of got someone who's ruthless off the ball, whose movement in the box is supreme. How many headers has he scored? Diego Jota, death taxes and Diego Jota scoring headers is, <laughs> is has become a norm for us. So I think it's nice having um, some kind of, you know, a change in attack, uh, a different dimension in an attack. I think Diaz kind of has most, most of the things that money brings in, into the team. But he kind of has this in him to receive the ball and do things on the ball. Uh, so I think that's re- really um, important for us. And yeah, he's, he's a good signing as well.
1: Yeah. Mark. he um, He's also, he's quite, he's good off the ball defensively. I think Galut and he was ranked fourth for like possession one in the final third in Portugal this season. And he's obviously used to Porto play like a four four two, and he's the left midfielder. And then I think they're quite attacking in their own league, but if you watch them in Champions League games, they shut up shop. I think it's not how they knocked out Juventus last year. They kind of just were compact. So I think he does have a lot of of the like the off the ball stuff um, that that Manny also does on that side because I think Manny's defensive work is kind of underrated. He does get back. Um and I did notice that in the Cardiff game he does he came central a lot, which I was surprised about. Like he was almost playing as a striker. I don't know if that was because it was of the opposition or if he was instructed or it just happened, but be interesting because I think some of the rumors that came out once we signed him was that they were gonna look to use him on the left and down the middle. But down the middle is not somewhere he really plays like he's every single minute he's played for Porto this season I think he's been on the left the left wing or the left midfield so I'm excited to see how they kind of develop that moving forward because obviously it's a completely different role and where you're receiving the ball and the runs you have to make so yeah I trust the coaching team and I trust the recruitment team so yeah Diaz is exciting and I can't wait to hopefully he gets his first goal soon or something. I, I, I hope his first goal comes today against Leicester that
0: would be really fun um, yeah, uh, from Luis Diaz, we go on to the summer transfer window. We'll discuss about the transfer window. And, but first of all, the contract situation, Sala Mane, Firmino. We know Salah's contract has been in the news for a long, long time right now. And I don't know, I kind of feel that there's a good chance we give Salah an extension because we've. I, I don't think we've looked at signing uh, a right midfielder or, or you know a right winger, to be honest, at all. Signing Luis Diaz probably kind of makes me feel that we are going to offer Salah a new contract and it's either going to be Mane and Firmino. Either going to be both of them or probably Firmino, one of Firmino or Mane who's going to make way in the summer or maybe on our, a our free contract the year after. So what do you think about the whole contract situation and do you think... We should
1: have probably dragged it this, this far. I think no, we probably shouldn't have dragged it. I think Salah's contract uh, is it's a hard one for the club and the player. Like he is obviously this will be his last big contract, but he is or has been the best player in the world this season. With him and Lewandowski, pick one is either of them two. So like the, yeah, like how much you're gonna pay him, how long it's gonna be for that. Does take time, and I do think that gets done. I don't. I think he wants to stay, and I, I don't think the club can afford to let Salah go because I think there'll be quite the outcry if he does. Which leaves then Manny and Firmino. I think they pick one to keep and they pick one to sell in the summer, and I think they'll sell Manny because I think they'll get more money for Manny than they will Firmino. And they've obviously just covered that left wing. So if you think about like depth up front, you've got then Diaz and Jota who can play there. If you went, if we got rid of Firmino, they'd have to bring in like a central, because it's Jota and Firmino right now, which may be Carvalho, but how ready he is remains to be seen. And then Salah, there. I mean. Forget that Manny was a right winger when he joined from Southampton. Like Klopp was the one that shifted him to the left-hand side. So I guess you have that cover if you get rid of Firmino and you keep Manny. That Manny can play either wing, but right now Salah there is no cover for Salah bar Oxley Chamberlain, who many many times has said he wants to be a central midfielder and not a right winger. So I think I love Manny, but I think I think it will be him. If it's one of them, I don't see the club, from a business perspective, letting them run down the contracts. I think they try and recoup. Like, I don't know how much you'd get for Manny in this market, but I think they try and, and get something for him in the summer, which is sad, but it was going to happen to one eventually. And if I had to pick between Salah and Manny, it would be Salah. And, I mean,
0: I, I know I am actually pre- uh, preparing myself oh. Uh, to see these players leave because it's going to be absolutely devastating to see Salah or Mane or Firmino leave because I mean, I've been supporting Liverpool since 2008 and this has been the best period that I've seen for the club. And these players have kind of got into, into, straight into the heart because they've been such amazing players. Not just amazing players, they've been really amazing uh, individuals as well, especially Saudi Omani. You know the stuff that he's done for his country, Senegal. He's won the African Cup of Nations, and you saw how his reaction was. He, he's he's one of the most humblest human beings uh, in in our team, uh, not just in our team in the Premier League as well, uh, or in all of football. So it can to be really devastating to see Mane Lee because that's the kind of player who who you know. Who's kind of powered us? He he was Jurgen Klopp's first big signing as well. To be very honest, his debut against Arsenal, that 4-3 win was absolutely amazing. He was the first guy to get us back on track, getting us to the top four in in Klopp's first full season. So it's gonna be um it's gonna be a very sad goodbye in if he leaves. But I mean, like you said, from a business point of view, I think Mane is more of a sellable asset. Asset than Firmino, but um, there's there's actually good chance we keep money for another year. I'm I'm assuming because I think there is a good chance that we let one player go on a free. There's a good there's a good chance that we do that unless we are ready to spend big in the summer. So. Yeah, that's that's an that's an interesting possibility. And this was a patron question from one of our patron data uh, about the contract situations with uh, Salah, Mane and Firmino. And his next question, again, is, is actually leading up to this about Fabio Carvalho's potential signing in the summer. I think he's going to be a Liverpool really player in the summer um, because you don't see Jürgen Klopp talk, talking about a player unless he is definitely 100% going to be ours. So... I think that has pretty much done and dusted behind the scenes. It's probably just a matter of formality. And uh, from what I've heard about Fabio Cavalli, I haven't followed a lot of championship football this season. And Even when I follow it, it's mostly been um, Bristol City rather than Fulham or other clubs. So um, I think from what I've heard, um, uh, I think Fabio Cavalli is, is someone who's played more in central areas, kind of as a number 10 an attacking midfielder, who was... Pretty much capable of playing down the left side as well. But if he is gonna play in a four-three three, I would say it's not probably uh it's it's not his favorite position playing in, in the midfield three, probably. And if he does, it's going to be probably the most advanced of the of the three in midfield. But we've kind of had uh you know signs that Klopp might want to play a four, two, three, one-ish kind of formation with with kind of like a number 10 uh, and Fabio Carvalho would suit that number 10 role I'm not sure he's going to be a starter as such immediately but he would probably be a, a Harvey Elliott-ish kind of sign uh, minus the loan I think he would be a decent option on the bench for us um, so I don't really think he's going to be a good cover at left wing or he isn't suitable for the right wing either and in terms of attack we're going to lose Divock Origi. I'm not sure if we're going to sell Takumi Minamino. I think we might if we get a decent offer. So, a lot of questions to answer. So, I'm not really sure what our transfer plans have for the summer because we have a lot of positions to fix, isn't it? Because in midfield, you have James Milner, um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's possibly going to leave as well. We completely forgot about Curtis Jones, by the way, in midfield. Um, I, I'm I'm really... Sorry, Curtis. <laughs> so, yeah, so we have a lot of players uh, who are potentially going to leave this summer. Uh, the, Devo Divo is going to be out of contact, obviously, this summer as well. So, are we going to sign a forward? Are we going to sign a right winger? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so Carvalho, I think, is ours, which leads, does, it leads me a lot, that the players we've been linked to, by like the reliable journalist, leads me to believe that maybe 4-2-3-1 is coming because we've also been linked with uh, Choumene at Monaco who is very used to that formation as like a deep-lying midfielder. Um, I think keeping Firmino also makes a lot more sense than a 4-2-3-1 because he can be a very good number 10 in that kind of system. I think if we get rid of it's hard. I think if we get rid of Manny, then no, we won't sign an attacker bar, Cavalio, and Diaz because then I think you kind of cover all the positions twice. Like, depending on, you can use like a few players twice. If we sell for Mino, then I think we kind of have to bring someone else in because we don't know how ready Carvalho will be. And We need sort of like a a central figure. I mean, in a 4-2-3-1, I expect Jota would be the one. And then you can kind of... It would be Carvalho or someone else behind him. So if you sell Firmino, it kind of leaves a gap there, unless you're expecting Fabio Carvalho to, to be that guy quite quickly. And, I mean, I'd listen to... Scout football podcast the other day with, they did the EFL and um, I think it's Ali Maxwell talked a lot about Carvalho and said that he, he feels like very quickly you'll be like why was this guy ever in the championship so maybe he is that good and maybe he will step up very quickly but if I was Liverpool and I sold Firmino I would expect to see a central attacker I think yeah that's that's pretty much
0: fair to be honest that's fair thought it's, it's really hard you know because uh it's a very confusing period for us actually in terms of the transfer dealings because we have a variety of options, a variety of positions uh, to actually fill. Nico Williams went out on loan to Fulham uh, in January and I'm assuming he's going to leave permanently in summer pursuing uh, you know, uh, more than a part-time role. So personally for me, I would love to see us sign a backup for Trent I don't think uh, Bradley is ready. I don't think anyone from the academy is ready to play that right back backup uh, because if if we miss Trent, we miss we miss productivity. We miss a I don't know. It's 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 really really hard to picture Liverpool playing without Trent because we are going to lose a lot of creativity uh, in the in the, on the right hand side. So. We probably need someone who is probably decently adept at you know creating going forward. Joe Gomez as right back probably would seem a decent option, but I don't think he's his anywhere near trend in terms of attacking output or production. And there's also a good chance Joe Gomez leaves in the summer, uh, pursuing, uh, yeah, again, a permanent starting birth in some team, possibly to Steven Gerrard-Safson-Villa, I guess. <laughs> but… <laughs> So I think a right back is something that I would love to see Liverpool sign, backup right back. And um in midfield, like you said, Chaumini would be the dream signing. He he would cost a lot, but Chaumini would be a dream signing, but Real Madrid are linked, Chelsea are linked, and when big clubs are linked and when you have to pay the big bucks, I'm not sure if FST would be ready to be, go that big on a single player again. So, in case Chumaini leaves for Real Madrid, I wouldn't mind, you know, tapping Real Madrid's toes for Eduardo Camavinga. <laughs> I've,
1: but, got, I've got... I wrote it down. Um, Maxon's Kakári, or how it? I mean, Alex will kill me for however I've said that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but him, maybe. He's very different to Chumaini, but he... I mean, his partner's just gone to Newcastle. He's very good. I mean, he progresses the ball really well. He does a lot of defensive work. I think that's sort of what we need in the midfield. And I think uh, he is reliable in terms of he doesn't get injured all too much, which a lot of our midfielders do since White and left. So, yeah, him maybe. Even... I don't think he'll ever leave Real Madrid, but Valverde, if you can kind of get him, I think he's an ideal club midfielder too. I think I think we definitely need a midfielder, and I think obviously Chamberlain probably will go, probably Newcastle sign him or someone like that. So yeah, we need a reliable young option there because Milner will be gone or should be gone, as harsh as that sounds. Um, Henderson needs kind of phased out. Yes. He needs to have like that sort of like father role. Like he gets a bit of time, but
0: he should take on the Milner role. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So Henderson should, Henderson should effectively become Milner, and then you've obviously got like Curtis Jones, who's very good. I, I like him, and he gets a lot of unnecessary hate. And then you cannot rely on Tiago and Keita to see you through a season. Like they're they are luxury players, and. The club, the club probably will have to make a decision on Nabucheta soon as well and whether they keep him. I would, personally, but I've got a bit of a soft spot for him, I like a lot, a lot of Liverpool fans do. Either love him or hate him, really, I think. So, yeah, I would keep him, but a midfielder. Um, yeah, I think Ornstein linked us to Chiromene and he linked us to Kanate, if that's a good omen. So, <laughs> I'll knock on wood and really hope he's the guy because he opens up a lot of options in the field. And him and Fabinho next to each other would be like a brick wall.
0: Exactly. And I think we we kind of miss Fabinho when he's out because we don't really have someone of that quality in, in, in the deep side of our midfield, in the deep end of our midfield. So... I think it's really important to get someone who is good defensively as well. Chaouméni is an absolute machine. He is an amazing footballer with the ball off the ball as well. He wins tackles, he wins aerial duels. So he is the complete package. Honestly, like like you said, praying that we get Chaouméni. But, but yeah, that that probably I think might be um, all the signings or all the dealings that we really look at. I wouldn't mind getting a forward but that would be probably asking too much because you can only have a certain amount of players in the squad. To be honest, yeah, and, I, top, and top someone who likes
1: a smaller squad. I think the this the big attacking signing will probably be summer twenty twenty three. Like I think we we'll see so we see a, a big movement there in 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 that window for. I think we got. Was it the Athletic that they linked us to a bunch of names, which were like and um, Cody Gakpo, like all of those guys? I don't know if many of them will be around at the Cubs. They're still at, but I think that's probably not this summer, next summer. I also, like someone mentioned, a good name for me for Trent's backup right back was Aina, who plays for Torino, but he's he's born in London, so he counts as homegrown, which we need. He's also really good for Nigeria. AFCON as well so I think we definitely do need a right back I mean you're never going to get Trent kind of stu- even stylistically I don't think there's a guy out there that's like Alexander-Arnold so so just bringing that in like a sort of solid option like like Nico Williams is okay but he needs game time and he doesn't want to be that backup guy so yeah we need if we can bring him in a homegrown right back option then we're good in that position. I don't think we need someone to like push Trent like Simicast did to Robertson, because Trent's levels don't drop, ever.
0: That's that. That's pretty true, and I think he's probably, uh, yeah, when you talk about uh, nailed on starters for the next five, six years, I think it would be good money to bet on Trent and no one else. Trent probably would be the only good bet, I guess, because that's how good he is, and people talk about him not defending, whatever, but Come on, just come on. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so yeah, it it has been an interesting chat with you, Danny. I know there's going to be a lot more probably in the next, in the coming months. We play Inter in the Champions League starting next week. I hope we go through to the quarterfinals, and I hope we get the number seven this year. That would be the perfect, perfect, perfect thing to happen, and 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 a nice gift for Ibu Konate and. Luis Diaz in the debut seasons as well. So it was a nice discussion, Nani. Thank you so much for joining.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely. <laughs> really nice. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and I hope Scotland make it into the World Cup. It was so much fun supporting Scotland for the Euros this year because I don't really support a fixed international team. I just picked pick the most YB team and Scotland was the most YB team for me in the Euros. So and maybe- I hope go-
1: We've got Robertson, so...
0: Exactly! <laughs> Robertson, Tierney, Jay Adams, Billy Gilmore, I've I, 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 I seen Grant Gendo, you, and a lot of other people, Reese as well, talk about Scotland. That's really, really amazing. So, yeah, it's fun again. So, I hope Scotland make it into the World Cup. But thank you. Until then, bye-bye, guys. To all our listeners as well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Until next time, bye-bye. Take care.